I never really know how to start. Do you? I think our starts have been good. <laughs> like just this awesome. is on you, people. <laughs> this <laughs> been our life. is on you. We should probably get off that confrontational <laughs> tone. <laughs> Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Bienvenido. Ooh, we're so glad that you joined us. We are. This is episode fourteen, people, and we actually never thought we'd really get this far. For sure, I thought thirteen would we top out at thirteen, <laughs> not one more. When we started this, when was our first episode in September or something like that? Mm, yeah, uh, people don't know this, but we did a couple trial episodes before our very first episode lost so, to the ages maybe not lost we might release them maybe after <laughs> we all pass away <laughs> maybe in about 80 it's years in Sam's will. then we'll go into our vault the curious church vault and release those two episodes <laughs> they weren't good well they're fine well if they were good we would have released them yeah we're still finding our way yeah 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 unlike now We've got it all figured out. Got it all figured Smooth out. Which, sailing. by the way, is reflected. This is a chance to shout out a little thank you to folks who have actually given us ratings on iTunes. Yes. Oh, yeah. So thank you. The we... few people who ever listen to the end of the show hear us sometimes ask you to go and rate us. <laughs> and some of you did it. And some of you actually listened to us. Thank and you. And did it. I, I did appreciate it. that. I rated yeah, us. And I gave us a five, which is the highest you can give. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. I think iTunes is called something else now, right? Is it like called Apple Podcasts? Do you know about this? Oh, I think you're right. Apple Podcasts. I just started hearing other podcasters talk about how well, it's we changing. Need to get with the times. Oh, thanks for those who rated us in Apple Podcasts. Yeah. yeah, and we want to ask all our listeners to please go on there if you haven't yet and rate us, and please give us a five, like a high five in stars. <laughs> yeah, and even if you don't think we deserve a five, please. If you don't think we deserve a five, pretend it's like golf, and the highest score is the loser. Uh, that was good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. If you like our podcast, then five is the highest. But if you don't, pretend it's like golf. Yeah. That'll and if you, you see better. us in person, give us a high five. Yeah. Yeah. An in-person yeah. high five. Yeah. yeah. Matt, Aaron, and I have put in random topics into this container, uh, and we're going to each draw one out. Judging. And the idea is that we each say something potentially witty. Oh, oh no. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pithy, witty. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Okay, here, people. Good. Something funny, something insightful, okay. but most often it will probably end up being just dumb. I think we should all take improv classes together. Yeah, I would love to do that. Sponsored by that Curious way, Church. That, that might up our wittiness. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to draw one out here, people. Our first two-cent topic. Someone didn't fold these right, and now they're all sticking to each other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the first topic, please give me your two cents on Scandinavia. <laughs> <laughs> on the country? Scandinavia isn't a it's country. like a well, group of countries. Like well, yeah, countries. I mean, it's... What countries are included, Sam? Go. Norway, Denmark... And Finland, I think. And Sweden? And Sweden. I mean, I don't know. That, but that was very I think you, they're you don't the, know? I think no. they're the Scandinavian. seems like something you should know, Matt. Yeah. Scandinavian. Because I think you wrote this one. Yeah, I definitely wrote it. But <laughs> I know they go Norway, Sweden, Finland, because you say it like a Swedish yeah. chef from the Muppets. 
Norway, Sweden, Finland, <laughs> and then <laughs> Denmark's poking up from Norway. Denmark just gets thrown in there. <laughs> yeah, why not? Oh. Uh, I would say this about them. Here's my two cents. I like their furniture design. Mm. You know, IKEA comes out of Sweden. Uh, it tends to be clean, minimal, functional. That's great. Yeah. I would say I'm thumbs up on Scandinavia because don't they have fuzzy hats? I think they do. Yeah. So that's that's a really good thing if you're living in a cold mm. climate. Yeah, I thought that was Russia. Doesn't Russia have the fuzzy hats? Well, Finland is almost touching, is almost Russia, I think. Isn't hmm. it? Okay. <laughs> it's the one closest to Russia. Good. No? Um, Our geography is terrible, I, people. I think, I think they have great This does not reflect system. on our overall oh, yeah. intellect. Sweden has a lot of excellent administrative data that a lot of uh, like reports or white papers are written on. Oh. Because like they have like deep like data over extended periods of time and for most of their citizens. That's what oh. I like about Scandinavia. Yeah. It's the data. It's great. I yeah. love the data. It's all about the data. <laughs> okay, what's my do I draw one next? Okay, yeah, draw one out. Shake it. Motorcycles. Oh. You know, I kinda want one. Because they, they look really cool. I'm just scared of dying on one. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard them called donor cycles. Oh, oh yeah. Right, Clever. because people crash on them and it's then end up dark. giving up their organs to other people. <laughs> right. So Is it a donor cycle if they're not a donor? It might just be a death cycle. But, you know, I have good memories of my dad. My dad had like a Honda motorcycle and he used to take us kids out on it, you know, just around the neighborhood or whatever. We'd go riding for five minutes and hold on to my dad on the back of this motorcycle. It was really fun. So there's there's a fun and a safe way to do motorcycles, but I've seen lots of people be crazy on motorcycles, like doing, doing, uh, you know, what is it, wheelies? down the highway at like right. 90 miles an hour. It's right. just like, oh my goodness. Right. Yeah, I think the only way that people should be allowed to ride motorcycles is doing wheelies. Just <laughs> so they're really recognizing the risk involved in riding <laughs> yeah. one. So only wheelies everywhere. Yeah. And especially when you're stopped at a stoplight. I just want to see you perched right there <laughs> on a wheelie. Uh, I didn't grow up riding one, but I did like in my mid-20s uh, go get my motorcycle license and i had rode one for a while is it easy to learn to ride a motorcycle um yeah yeah i mean it takes uh takes some practice if you have um some experience with manual shifting that helps because you do have to clutch and shift and stuff oh so which i had um but yeah i liked it a lot and then when it just became a matter of not being practical anymore after the kids came along but uh, i think maybe i would have one again someday great gas mileage yeah Great gas mileage, and when we lived in down in Sackenmore, commuting up here, and I would, was by myself commuting. You could split lanes when the traffic's bad, and you can mm-hmm. use the carpool lane and all that kind of stuff. So mm. it's did good for have, that. Do you ever have your guitar on your back, like a, yeah, a, I did, like a motorcycling <laughs> yeah. troubadour? That is yeah. so wow. cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, grab another one here. Okay, yeah. yes. Okay, here we go, That's people. Fine. Get I pumped. I don't, I don't need. To and feel free now. if you're listening, which you are, I guess, right now. Feel free to, you know, just talk to yourself in your car and give your two cents on this topic. Don't talk to yourself in your car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talk to if you're writing with someone. Feel free to just pause the podcast and, you know, give your two cents on the thing. All right. uh, here's one. Daffy Duck versus Donald Duck. Oh. 
Hmm. I have to think twice about which is which all the time because they seem so similar in my mind. Which one do you like better, Daffy Duck or Donald Duck? I like the one where when he gets hit really hard, his, his bill spins around his head. I, I like that one. Daffy Duck. Okay, yeah, Daffy. Daffy's brown. Black. Oh, is he black? Donald looks like a sailor. He's got the like yeah, the little yeah. sailor hat. Oh, and, right. And Daffy just isn't wearing anything, is he? Well, I don't know. I don't think <laughs> any. Well, he's not wearing pants, the sailor one. Yeah, that, <laughs> Donald doesn't wear pants. So, I don't know what Daffy wears. Okay, one more. Oh, we're going to do them all. Oh, we are? Yeah. All right, then we got to go faster. Okay. Watches. Oh, didn't we do this one last time? It got cut out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is our second chance to really okay, make watches someone, interesting. Someone really wants to talk about you watches. You had an I like it that was watches. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, I like them. Yeah, love watches. Yeah, but now for me, they're more of a kind of a, a fun item because it's like I keep track of time on my phone. So it's not so much about, you know, what time is it? Let me look at my wrist. It's more like a fashion accessory. I like it as, uh, I think they look good, and I find them very practical. I think this is way easier than yanking my phone out of my yep. pocket. I never have used my phone to tell time. Hmm. I agree. Hmm. What about digital watches versus uh, like analog watches? Calculator watches, watches are the best. <laughs> I love to do all my calculations on my calculator watch. That's, no, how, I I did, that's like how I did my taxes this year. Smart, smart watches versus uh, analog. Preference, quick. Uh, good. Good. Okay, that's not a preference. All right, let's move on to our next one. Thanks, Sam. Sleeping naked. Hot topic, you guys. Uh, here it is. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I can answer that because you might get cold. So that's, that's why not. Uh, There's a certain freedom. Do you ever think that somebody's going to break in and then you have to confront someone in the middle of the night and you'll be naked? Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Maybe you'd have the advantage, like you'd be su Maybe surprised. Be surprised. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like if you're a burglar, you're a little more you need to go into any building expecting to see a naked person. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you're just not set up for success. Corn dogs. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's word for word what's written. Well, anything dog, hot dog-wise, you can't <laughs> think too hard about it, right? <laughs> so that's the yeah. ugly. I ignore the ugly. <laughs> yeah, don't really think about it. Just eat it. I like a corn dog. It's been a long, long time, yeah. but... Yeah, the corn dog one. is best at the fair, and mm. then um, and then with mustard. I don't know that I've ever been to an American fair. Only Australian fairs. Yes, as a matter of fact, the Royal Easter Show. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? The Royal Easter Show? Yeah, it's a big like basically fair in Sydney. So Are there rides? Kid, we go. There were probably some rides, but it was like you know massive pavilions, and huh. you would get a show bag and all that stuff. It was great, but I don't think I've been to an American mm. American style. Hot dogs are kind of good. Is there Just an Australian term for hot dogs? Uh, ours are a little bit different. You're more likely to have kind of a sausage on a white piece of bread. Oh, but they call it hot dog. Uh, Hit dig. Wow. <laughs> Hit dig. <laughs> hey, mate. To Scandinavia. Oh, mate. Here's my Russian hot dog. Hot, hot dog. <laughs> Hello, comrades. Give me a hot dog. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. Let me tell you, people. Next Can't one. wait until we have a real Russian on this podcast. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, hats. I think someone just... Someone... Someone was just looking at me and writing down <laughs> things that I said earlier That's and things that I'm wearing. <laughs> hats. 
I, I can't. I don't think I can pull a hat off. So I'm kind of envious of people who wear hats. Well. You know, I do wear hats. I don't know if I can pull them off. I have this thing where I feel like my my I have a really huge face. I feel like my face is rather large, and so then I feel like the hat like magnifies my face even more. It just huh? makes it like there's a lot happening up on top. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of Simplified. face. There's a lot of head. Yeah. There's a lot of hat. It's just, it's all there. So why do you wear hats then? I don't know. Just like them? Yeah. So you don't have to do your hair? You look hair? pretty good in a hat. Is it so Thanks. you can avoid doing your hair and brushing your teeth? No, like today I put on a hat. It's like one of those little caps or whatever. Yeah. And I just saw it sitting on my shelf <laughs> and I just grabbed it and put it on. I don't know. I thought, oh, I'll wear that today. Okay. That's good amount of thought. I have a, uh, if you, if you can wear a hat and you like a hat, I'd say more power to you. Yeah. Do I'm you not much. No, I can't really do hats either. I don't you could, feel though. like I have one that looks good. Sometimes, sometimes I like a ball cap if you're yeah. like not I've actually it. tried to put on ball caps. I went to a store one time at the mall where you can try on ball caps yeah. and none of them fit. Because my head was too big. I have a huge head, too. <laughs> it's like, a, you know, you snap the back or whatever. And it's like I did the very last snap. And it's it, barely holding on. And it didn't fit. <laughs> and then I, that was really sad. That is, that is pretty sad. What you got? Winking. Very inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it when strangers wink at me. I think that's odd. How and often strange. does that happen? It happens. Oh. People do, some people do it. Especially older gentlemen tend to wink they like tend you're to be in line for taco bell like you look over and there's a guy who just winks at you like what's this <sighs> no usually it's in the it's in the it's in a conversation so you're talking and then there's there's kind of winking happening oh interesting i found myself like kind of winking to myself but then i realize <laughs> i'm winking externally and then it's kind of awkward i'm like oh i hope that person didn't see me wink i've done that before I like the secret code part of it. Like, um, I think my dad was kind of a winker when we were growing up. So, like, you know, we would we would do something that uh, maybe mom didn't know about, you know, and then you could kind of wink, like, yeah, we did this fun thing today. <laughs> <laughs> so I do that. It's fun with kids. So I'll do it with with my you do daughter. it with your kids. You yeah, wink? sometimes sometimes I'll back? do it with my daughter, and she will. Yeah, well, she'll like scrunch up her face, <laughs> open her it. mouth. It's pretty cute. Oh, it is pretty cute. That's great. Okay, last one. Sam Gutierrez, our two cents regarding he's, he's, Sam. He's one of a kind. Gutierrez. He is one of a kind. That's maybe the almost the best way to put he's it. He's very muscular, I would say. Okay, I think we're, that's <laughs> you giving your two cents. Did you write this one down? No, but another two cents is he's brilliant. <laughs> he's a mastermind, but he often plays dumb. To relate to the masses. All right. Well, that was <laughs> to relate to the people. Because usually if you're too smart, that usually doesn't go over well. Yeah, that's and good. you end up being... All right. This was our definitive two cents <laughs> on all of these topics. And a good dresser. Well, today for our conversation, we want to talk about something that we've kind of in some sense, been revolving around in a number of our conversations, but kind of go right at it. And that topic is, drumroll please, spiritual formation. And it just so happens that we actually have, believe it or not, coincidentally, a pastor of spiritual formation what? in the house, Sam Gutierrez. Sam, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Spiritual formation is one of those phrases that seems very nebulous. Yeah. No, yeah. totally. Which was why I was going to ask Sam if he could just, to get us started here, give us a definition. Take a stab at... Denebulize. How, denebulize it for us. I don't know if I can denebulize it. Okay, well... I, <laughs> because there is something a bit, you know, there's different words kind of used for spiritual formation, words like, um, well, for a long time, it's been called simply discipleship. Hmm. So, how to, following Jesus, being shaped into the image of Jesus, um, over time, being more and more conformed into his image. In fact, one of these kind of biblical words is sanctification, which is this idea of over time, the process of being made holy, being set apart, or in other words, just simply growing into the likeness of Jesus over time. So, that's one of the things is that in the Bible, we're justified, which is something that happens immediately. When we put our faith in Christ, we are justified, we are made right with God. But as you know, our lives are not immediately you know, perfect. So, the Spirit works in our lives over time to shape us and to make us. Really, what's kind of interesting is we become who we already are. So, so in justification, we are named, we are told that we're holy, and yet then the process of sanctification is simply becoming what we already are, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. So, it's like you're growing into you, who you already are. Which is really interesting. So then in that context, like a definition of sin is really forgetting who you are. It's like you are already named, you are already in Christ, you are a child of God, you are a beloved son or daughter, you are you know, a royal priesthood, you're, you're all these things. And then when we sin, it's like, it, it, it's, it's an issue of like, it's identity that we've forgotten. We've forgotten who we are. And then, so sanctification is this process of being reminded over and over again of who we are and then living into that identity, mm. which is really interesting. It's a different way to think about sin as, as identity forgetfulness, mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, I, I said a swear word or, oh, I told a lie. It's like a proper response to sin then really is, I forgot who I was. Like when I lie or when I gossip or when I'm just cruel or mean, um, I'm not being myself. I'm not being my true self. That's not who I am. Yeah, I think that's really helpful framing because I think sometimes I know for myself, like the justification, sanctification language, or even spiritual formation language can sometimes feel like there's kind of two goals, mm -hmm. right? There's sort of like you're, you're like being saved or being justified goal. And then there's like now it, the goalpost sort of moves on you and you're trying to get to some other place. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that you're talking about it is it's a way of kind of living and becoming more of who you already are Yep, kind of takes away that dual nature that I can imagine people struggling with. Right. Cause one of the questions then is, well, why should I care about spiritual formation if I'm already saved? <laughs> yeah, that's you know? right. So, there's a couple of... Oh, go ahead, Eric. I was just thinking about how you, if you're striving toward a goal to be more Christ-like, it's obviously not one that we can ever attain. So, it's kind of an interesting, something you're always in pursuit of. Is yeah, I mean, we can get into a little bit more because there's, cer there's a certain kind of posture that we... Like, there's a certain sense that we participate 
in the formation of our souls, but we are not the author of our souls. So, so here's just a couple of verses that I think are, are kind of interesting and speak to this. Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 3. Here it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then in verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith which is a really interesting way. So it's like, we think of our faith as ours, Mm -hmm. but here we're reminded that Jesus is authoring our faith and he's going to finish it. So our faith, our walk, our connection to God, our relationship with God is something that Jesus is doing in us and we participate with it. But it's almost like it's a novel being written and Jesus is the first word and the last word that he's writing the story. And we participate in that story. But that gives us a lot of comfort, I think. Okay, here's another verse. Um, I think this one's really interesting. This is from 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. And here, Paul's talking. He says, I planted, talking about the gospel, so I planted the seed. And then Apollos here is another church leader. He says, Apollos watered it. But then he says this. He says, but God made it grow. And I think it's really important because there it's like planting of the seed, like what Paul's doing on his missionary journeys is really important. He's planting the seed. You can't get any more important than that. Mm -hmm. And then if a seed's going to live, if a seed's going to flourish, it needs to be watered. And Apollos was doing that. Like that is so important. Without those two things, it's just a seed in the ground. But then Paul reminds us that you can plant, you can water, but there's a mystery behind the growth. And in fact, God is making it grow. So that's kind of interesting verse there where it's like, we participate, there's things for us to do, really, really important things for us to do. And yet underneath it all, God is the one who makes our faith grow. God is the one who is authoring and finishing our faith. God is the architect. God is the artist. God is the one shaping us and leading us on this journey of becoming more and more Christ-like. Hmm. So I think that's a really, it's, it's, it's a very interesting verse and it's just, it's just one verse there. And then, um, and then here's one from Galatians 4 verse 19. <clears throat> Paul's talking again. He says, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you which is another interesting way because we think of spiritual formation as kind of becoming more and more good, Mm -hmm. right? Like doing less bad things and doing more good things. But here, Paul kind of talks about it because we think of spiritual formation as something from the outside in, that if I do these certain things, then I eventually will become a different person. But Paul kind of reverses it here and says, actually, spiritual formation is something that happens from the inside out. That Christ, almost like, and here, we're going to get into this in just a sec, because Mary is actually kind of the perfect image of what is happening to us in spiritual formation, is that that Christ is being birthed in us like a living reality that's happening and that's growing over time. And part of our responsibility is to, and this is why Mary is really the perfect, our responsibility is to say yes to that life, 
is to yield to it, um, to be open to it, to say essentially like our responsibility in spiritual formation or allowing ourselves to be shaped and formed over time is to really say the same thing that Mary said in Luke 1 verse 38. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So really that's our, and that's what I want to talk about a little bit is here, there's a certain posture that we take. We are not the authors of our faith, but we participate in it. And there's a certain posture that we can take, which is essentially one of openness or willingness, or we put ourselves in a position where we say, yes, mm-hmm. let, it, let it be, let it happen. I am open. I am available. And we can't control how God is going to work. I do this in a lot of my um, <clears throat> classes that I lead spiritual formation classes when I do Lectio Divina, I just remind people that we're not going to make anything happen. We, our responsibility, all that we can control here is being open. We're going to be receptive to whatever God wants to say, whatever God wants to do. We are just open to it. And if God, for some reason, decides in our gathering to rather be silent, like we're not hearing much, then then that's okay because we're just open. We're receptive. God, whatever you want to do, we're ready for it. That was actually going to be one of my questions because I can see this idea of like God sort of being the one who's forming our faith and um, sort of not so much us dictating our spiritual formation as both like very comforting for some, right? But then also potentially like very disturbing for others. So I'm thinking of a person who maybe... uh, has experienced what the Christian tradition has called like the dark night of the soul, right? Where God feels absent despite kind of their desire for him. How, what would you say to that person who's like, well, if God is supposed to be forming me spiritually, why do I not feel like I'm being spiritually formed? <laughs> well, there's a, that's a great question because, <clears throat> and I like to use, I got this from Richard Rohr. He says, um, he's a Franciscan priest. He says that our spiritual journey is often three steps forward, two steps back. And I love that because, you know, we adopt this kind of American idea of like <clears throat> always growth, progression. Up, up you know, and to the right. Yep, up yeah. and to the right. And actually, that's just not the way that we grow. And so we have moments in our spiritual journey, in our faith formation, where it feels like we're actually taking steps backward, where it's like, I feel confused. I have lots of doubts. <clears throat> And we get afraid by that. We get yeah. we feel threatened by that. But it's actually darkness and light is all part of the journey. Three steps forward, two steps back. Another kind of biblical image that I like to use, and I think it frees up people a lot, is our spiritual journey is kind of like a wandering in the desert. So it's like we're headed someplace, just like the Israelites were. They're headed towards the promised land. And we too, are. There, there's a purpose to the journey. There's an end point. But the journey to get there is like a 40-year wandering in the desert where sometimes we feel like we're going in circles. Sometimes we feel like you know we're going backwards. And I think that really frees up people to just say, okay, I am where I am. Uh, this is where I'm at right now. And it's fine. Um, so I don't know if that frees, would free people up a little bit. Yeah, I guess my follow-up to that is how do you begin to balance then the... Um, sort of uh, maybe passive elements of spiritual formation with like, how do you discern when you should be passive and when you should be active? Like, how do you know when you say, you know what, this is just where I am. 
and that's okay versus actually this is where I am, but I should probably be participating to use your language, participating in this way in my spiritual formation. Am I being worked on or am I supposed right. to be working on yeah, something? Exactly. I think that's, that's yeah. a good way to put it. And there's always, <clears throat> there's always this tension where it's like, yes, <laughs> right. It's like, we're always being worked on. And then, and then there's moments when we feel like, should I be working on something? Should I not be? Should I be engaging in a certain discipline? Is this a time to rest? Is this a time to move right. forward? Is this a time to engage? Is this a time to retreat? And honestly, simply, sometimes we just don't know. Hmm. And that's where a lot of patient comes in, patience, endurance, um, wisdom. And that's why, too, it's like we can really lean into our spiritual um, guides, certain authors. We can lean into our pastors. Uh, there's a thing called spiritual direction. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a, it's a bit like counseling, but the idea is that you meet with someone to simply talk about your spiritual journey. And a lot of times what a spiritual uh, director will do is just kind of help you normalize your experience and be like, you know what? You feel like you're in the darkness right now. You feel lost. You feel confused. You feel like you're in those two steps back. Hey, it's okay. Just relax. <laughs> yeah. Right? Don't get anxious. Relax. Relax. God is the author and finisher of your faith. And maybe it is time to engage. Maybe it is time to adopt a certain discipline. Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah. Right? Instead of like lamenting, like, where am I at? Where am I at? The idea is really to keep our focus on Jesus, not ourselves, and to yeah. keep looking to Him and saying, Lord, work in me, work in me. I'm open, I'm available. What can I do? How can I work with you, Lord, mm. in what you're doing in my life? Go ahead. I'd like to talk about about those practices because yeah. a lot of what we're talking about is is still pretty ethereal. And I think even the term spiritual formation sounds like if you're just coming to church for the first time, it sounds like something that seminary students do. <laughs> so, but but it's really for all of us. So, what are what are some ways into this? What are some ways where people can form themselves spiritually well, and be formed? I think. So just trying to think about that. One of the things we talk about at Granite Springs is it's and it's really important for for churches to have this is you have some sort of image of what it's supposed to kind of look like. You kind of point people in a certain direction and say, "You know what? It's a confusing journey, it's a wandering in the desert." But here's kind of an image of of kind of where you're going. Like so just keep looking at that. And for us, we've used this painting by Rembrandt, the the return of the prodigal son, which is this beautiful painting and we tell people that what it looks like to be spiritually mature is the father. Now, in the story of the prodigal son, we usually identify ourselves with either the son, the elder son who stayed home, mm -hmm. or the younger son that's run away and have mm -hmm. this life of debauchery. That's fine. We can like it's good to identify with are you the elder or are you the younger child in that story. But we feel, and this is one of the things we teach at Granite Springs, is really we are being called to become the father, to leave behind our childish resentments or our childish rebellions, mm -hmm. and to become the father, really this picture of a spiritual adulthood. Mm -hmm. So what does it look like to be spiritually mature? And that's what you need to really help your, if you're a, a leader in a church, is to paint that picture for people of here's kind of what it looks like to be a spiritually mature follower of Jesus. So I think that's the first thing is, is you kind of give them an image of here's kind of what, what it looks like. Sometimes, you know, you'll have someone in your congregation who embodies that. Like there's a certain couple people that you think, wow, you know, 
somehow it's they're doing it right. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know how to really phrase that, but it's like whatever's supposed to be happening in you is happening in that person in your congregation. It's like mm-hmm. you point to them. Mm-hmm. Um, can I can I ask you real quick why? Because I can imagine someone listening and thinking, well, if we're talking about vision, we were, we already had it. There's Jesus. Like, what other image do I need? A spiritual formation. Why do you think it's helpful to have potentially these other kind of core images or people that you're looking to? in terms of giving you a vision of where you want to end up? I don't know. It's just different ways of looking at the same thing. I mean, the mm-hmm. Father is really Jesus, right? So it's just another way of kind of talking about spiritual. So you could simply say, you know what? We're all eventually going to look like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's, but, you know, so, but people may not relate to that so much. So then yeah. you, you can use different images. You can also use um, like, you know, God is shaping us. We're becoming these artworks of God. I mean, that's kind of a less personal image, but it's like you think of God as a potter and he's shaping this kind of, he's spinning and shaping this beautiful artwork, this beautiful pottery. And that's kind of what he's doing in your life is he's making you beautiful. And that's just another way of talking about the same thing. Um, I talked a little bit about kind of this key posture. Like how do we participate in what God is doing in our lives? Like God is shaping us, God is forming us, but how do we participate? And one is we adopt a certain posture, like I mentioned, an openness, a yieldedness. But the other thing is we actively engage in uh, certain disciplines. So, you know, traditionally the church has really, and Jesus talks about these three disciplines. One is fasting the other one is prayer, and the third one is almsgiving. So <clears throat> that's just kind of a really simple way to kind of think about, you know, how do we participate? Well, let's let's adopt these three key disciplines. Make sh- let's make sure we're we have a life that is engaging in prayer, and that can look all kinds of different ways. And I think fasting as a spiritual discipline, as a practice, is really helpful because we live in a in an age of like excess gluttony mm-hmm. and especially in our american culture the the spiritual practice of fasting is really really poignant i think for us and then almsgiving so jesus says you know it, it, be generous give but there's always cautions with all of these is that cuz jesus tells us when you pray do it in secret and when you fast Make sure you get up and comb your hair in the morning so no one knows that you're fasting. And when you give, do that secretly too. And so all of these disciplines are meant to be done secretly. Now, why would he tell us to do them in secret? And I think what can happen is he's, Jesus is keenly aware of what, what we often do, which is we'll use the spiritual disciplines, these habits, and we'll use them to feel superior. So all of a sudden now we are more superior. We are more spiritual than other people because we pray and because we fast. What happens is when you practice them in in solitude by yourself in secret, the ego cannot use the disciplines to make you feel superior because no one knows that you're doing them. So yeah. so that's kind of so that's kind of a that's kind of an interesting um and and you see that all the time where people use religion to feel superior and that that happens all the time and and the thing is what's interesting about religion and spirituality is you feel right in doing so because you're being spiritual right like you're looking down on people but you're doing it for god <laughs> 
right? It's like, it's the ultimate deception right. and we can all get caught up in it. And so Jesus says, well, you know, practice these key disciplines, but do them in secret. So I think that's really interesting. So kind of traditionally, that's what the church has done. And then there's different ways that other churches kind of say, hey, these are the key practices that if you come to this congregation, if you're involved in this church, we want to emphasize kind of these key practices. So for instance, I read this book one time, it was an acronym called BELLS. And they said, basically, here, here's kind of the key ways to participate in your spiritual formation with these key practices. BELLS, BLESS is B. So we want to bless people. We want to eat. So eat, eat to get people. <laughs> <laughs> eat. I'm all that about might... eating. But... <laughs> uh, so eat with people. Oh, eat Don't with. eat them. And then uh, listen, learn, and serve. So so that's that was one church. And then another ch- when I did a youth ministry or uh, campus ministry up in Canada, I had these. I created the four S's. So it's like we sing, we serve, we study, and then we celebrate. Celebrate with an S. It's, I know it's spelled with a C, <laughs> but the four S's, sing, serve, study, celebrate. And then even Granite Springs has the, we, we call them the five G's and the one T. So groups, growth, gifts, generosity, and then hospitality, which we say is God send. So you're sent to be hospitable. And then telling the truth is the T. So, so yeah, all, all churches usually have some sort of like these five things, these four things, these three things, which helps, it's helpful in some ways because there's so many ways to practice our faith. But if the church can kind of say, hey, we think these are kind of really key, I think that can be helpful. Yeah. And then one last thing here is Jamie Smith in his book, Desiring the Kingdom, talks a little bit about how we're spiritually formed. And he says it's really a combination of two things. So we practice spiritual habits or disciplines. So Matt, you might adopt, you know, fasting, prayer, and and generosity or giving mm-hmm. as kind of three personal habits that you want to engage in to to allow yourself to yield to the Spirit. It's a way of participating. I'm going to practice these disciplines as a way to say yes to God and allow Him to work in me more freely. But we also, and this is what Jamie Smith says, we also engage in communal practices, which he calls liturgy. So when you come on a Sunday morning, we together practice together, and he calls that liturgy, and, and it's, it's, it's through God's greeting, and it's through the preaching of the word, it's through the passing of the peace, it's, it's in communion, it's in the blessing, it's in worship, it's in all these things that we practice together, and it's, it's with the personal habits and with the communal practices together that really end up shaping us, allowing God to shape us hmm. towards what Jamie Smith says is the kingdom. So it's like those two things together aim. It's like an arrow that aims our love and really tells us the, the personal habits and the communal practices really help shape who to love and how to love. Yeah. Which Jamie Smith says, essentially at our very essence, we are lovers. That, that's, that's essentially who we are, is that we were made to love. God, God is love. But what happens is, and this is another definition of sin, is that we love the wrong things. Right. We aim our love arrow in the wrong direction. And so we need to practice on how to, how to love. And really, again, Jesus is our model for that, where Jesus is showing us how to love the Father. 
and how to love those around us, love God and love our neighbor. But we don't do that very well. Yeah. One of the helpful things I just heard you do was you tied discipline and uh, posture together in a way that I hadn't thought about before. Because I think, again, going back to the sort of two goals thing that I was talking about in the beginning of sometimes I get that justification, one goal, sanctification, another goal. Sometimes I think, okay, spiritual posture, one piece, disciplines, then I do kind of out of that. But the way that you just talked about it was, you know, the disciplines actually help us enter the posture that we want to be in. The sense that, in fact, it sort of flows in the opposite direction. And so it's not sort of we have a posture, then we do disciplines to sort of put us on the recipe or formula towards God. But actually, no, it sort of trickles back that we do disciplines to help us enter posture. Is yeah, same, it, right? well, it goes back and forth. So we do the, the di- engaging in the disciplines helps us with our posture, which is the disciplines are really meant to, to open us up, to make us available, to make us receptive, not to make us feel superior, right? <laughs> right? But to make us feel open. But it can work the other way too, where we need to engage the disciplines with this posture of humility and openness, right? So it's it's kind of a back and forth thing where you, you both need the posture and you need the practices together working so that we can stay open and receptive. So much of this seems to be sort of movements, right? Back and forth yep. as we think about, you know, God's work, our work, you know, posture, disciplines, all these things are sort of this movement um, and trying to hold those two. But as you, as maybe a new person to all this, say, say the person who walks into church for the first time uh, starts to think about, okay, I want to become spiritually mature. Maybe they don't even, you know, have the language to form that. Where, where would you say they should start? If, if, you know, there's this back and forth movement, where do you begin if you're wanting to enter this journey, this desert wandering? We, I think, well, there's lots of, there's lots of access points, mm-hmm. I think, and we just want to be really, I think, free about helping people. Sometimes I feel like what I often help, help people think through is, you know, one way to think about it is what's the next step for me in terms of my spiritual journey? Because we're on this journey, whether we know it or not, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we could talk about access points, but I think if we're um, reasonably disciplined followers of Christ, we're there's a spectrum, of course, but at, at some point, at, at some level, we're all, I mean, everyone mm-hmm. is on this journey. That's what I like to do. Even if you're not a believer, even if you have lots of questions about this Jesus person and the, and the Bible, you can still ask that same question. What's the next step for me? Maybe right. it's, and for the, one who, for the one who's doubting, for the one who has lots of um, cynicism towards the church, maybe the next step is kind of confronting some of that cynicism, or maybe, maybe it's starting to search for some answers, Maybe that's, you know, you have all these doubts, you have all these questions, but you don't do anything with them. So maybe the next step for that person is, well, maybe I need to, maybe I need to start exploring a little bit and asking my questions out loud and maybe trying to find out some answers. But for some other people, you know, maybe they've already become a Christian. Maybe they've, you know, been following Jesus for 20 or 30 years. That question still rings true for them too. What's the next step for me? What do I need to kind of lean into? And another way that I phrase it is, um, because I think intuitively, we often know our growth areas. We kind of know where we need to lean into. So kind of the flip side of asking that same question is, what am I afraid of? Where are my resistances? 
And that is often a key indicator to where I need to, th- I need to pray about, I need to think about, I need to, th- I think, I need to think about moving in, in the areas where I feel afraid, because our, we tend to feel afraid about taking risks and growth, and so we resist things. For some, for someone, it might be like they're really afraid of praying out loud, like in a group setting. They just that really, really freaks them out. And so part of their spiritual growth, maybe the next step for them is to take a risk, face their fear, and figure out how to say a few words in a group prayer setting out loud. That seems like such a small thing, but you're, again, confronting fears, taking a risk, challenging yourself, and, um, and taking that next step. Another way to kind of phrase it is too, is what is God nurturing in me? So if you can be reflective, maybe journaling, maybe even meeting with a friend for coffee and having a discussion about, you know, what's happening inside of you, what's going on in your life. And then this, I like to often give people like these little handles on which to kind of think about. And one of them is this three part question of what do I need to let go of in my life? What am I, what I've been holding on to that I need to let go of? What do I need to let be? So these are the things that I simply can't, cannot change. They just are. So you have to kind of live with what it was. Sometimes situations, sometimes it's a sickness. You can't change it. You just have to let it be. But then the third one is, what do I need to let grow? Mm-hmm. So there's always something kind of being, there's always something kind of falling away. What do I need to let go? What do I need to let die? What needs to just be held? That's the let be question because I can't do anything about it right now. But then the, then the third one is, what is being nurtured in? What is growing in me right now? that I need to water, that I need to feed. And so, yeah, it takes a bit of reflection. It takes, you know, some, some work on our parts to kind of figure out and try to name what that is. But if we can somehow name it, then we can start to put energy behind it and we can kind of lean in, in certain directions. I think overall, I mean, if I could end this, it's a very hopeful that God is doing something in us and that God is the, the author and the finisher of our faith. And sometimes we resist God the whole way, but God is still faithful and God is determined to do a work in us. And even in our resistances, even in our fears, God is still strong. God is still loving. And what I love is our sin is never greater than his love. Our lack of motivation is never greater than his faithfulness. So again, we just trust in God, that God is doing something in us. We don't always understand the process. It's a bit shrouded in mystery, but God is going to, God's going to do it. God's going to shape us into, into the image of his son, Jesus. Hey, let's go around and talk about something that you're excited about. Just as you know, we're going to conclude pretty soon. Don't worry, people. <laughs> this isn't going to go on forever. A few episodes ago, whatever, I talked about this cartoon called Voltron. If you remember, yeah. it's like these we remember, mm-hmm. mechanical lions yeah. that... Do you hear the excitement in our voices? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, on Netflix, there is season, there's season two of Voltron. And I have not watched it yet, but I'm super pumped about it. And... I'll have to sign up for the Netflix. I get like a free month if I use all these different email addresses. Oh my goodness. I know, it's terrible. Wow. That's how I watch season one. Sam Gutierrez one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, Voltron, season two, watch it. Okay, probably won't, but I'm excited. Uh, It's NBA playoff season. 
right now. So that's it's it's fun. I, I just love basketball. It's fun to watch good games. Playoffs haven't been like the best playoffs so far, but now things are heating up, and my team is the Spurs, so they're doing well. But unfortunately, lost to the Golden State as of this recording. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's fun. You go should Spurs, watch. Go. I watched the game with Matt yeah. last week. He was very into it. I see it animated basketball. Yeah, he was on the couch. Then he was on the floor. Then he was walking around. I have a jersey that I wear. Then he wears a jersey. Really? Yeah, yeah, he's into it. But it's kind of cool. I am into it. It's it's fun to get into something like that. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Aaron? Well, uh, I didn't think of anything immediately until you mentioned Netflix because um, that reminded me that there's a show back on back in the 90s that I was an avid fan of, even as a little kid, called Mystery Science Theater 3000. Do you know about this? Yeah. So they take old bad movies and then kind of riff on them and make fun of them. So this was this was my life when I was a kid. I loved this show. This explains a lot, I feel like. <laughs> It does. And now there they're making are. new ones on Netflix. So there's a whole new season with a new host, like a, a new uh, person uh, leading doing it. But it's the same kind of uh, pedigree, and it's a, supposedly a continuation of the old ones. So if you like that show like I did, Which- there are new ones on Netflix right now, and I'm... Uh, Gobbling them up. I think they're fun. Do you ever join in with the riffing? Just add your own little riffs like we tell our listeners to with their two cents? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. I just, I just enjoy the, the pre-prepared entertainment okay. that is placed okay. before me. But if you only have time to watch one thing, watch Voltron. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be sorry. I am sorry. I'm already sorry. Well, I think, I think, I think it's time to say goodbye. Um, how can they get a hold of us or find us or rate us or all that stuff? Matt? All that stuff. Well, we love feedback. We love to hear We love handwritten you. letters. Yeah. All we have not that. gotten one yet. Well, we haven't given an address. Mm-hmm. But you can leave feedback at facebook.com slash curiouschurch. You can like our page there. Uh, or email us, curiouschurch at grantsprings.org. And as always, like we talked about at the top, reviews. Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Always appreciate it. Oh, we Thanks appreciate to those of you it. who have already done so. All right, I'm Sam. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Thanks for being curious with us. <laughs> <laughs>